Our scripture reading today is found in John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, though through him, might be saved. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. I think as you can see by looking inside your bulletin, our service this morning is a little bit different. And we hope that you will be blessed by it. There's going to be um, musical presentations, and we'll let those go unannounced. But it's going to start with the, the Zenner girls helping us out.
There was one who was willing to die in my stead that a soul so unworthy might live. And the path to the cross he was willing to tread all the sins of my life to forgive. They are nailed to the cross. They are nailed to the cross. Oh, how much he was willing to Jesus went to the cross, but he carried my sins with him there. He is tender and loving and patient with me while he cleanses my heart of the storm. But there's no condemnation, I know I am free, for my sins are all nailed to the cross. They are nailed to the cross, they are nailed to the cross. Jesus went to the cross, but he carried my sins with him there. I will cling to my Savior and never depart. I will joyfully song on my lips and a song in my heart that my sins have been taken away. They are nailed to the cross. They are nailed to the cross. Oh, how much he was willing to bear with what anguish and loss. Jesus went to the cross, but he carried my sins with him
say? Good morning, church. Um, I'm going to be singing, Were You There?
I love that song, thinking about actually being there. What I'm going to read to you is a contemplation on someone who was there. Though Jesus did not entrust himself to us, but only to his Father, he did, of his Father's will, place himself in our hands. He suffered abuse at our hands and rejection, but with purpose, that we would come to see our need of salvation and his embodiment of it. I don't know the centurion's story, nothing of his background other than to assume him to be a Roman citizen. Being trained as a soldier and being both a dedicated and self-controlled soldier, as well as a racist, violent despiser of the Jews and their so-called superior spiritual calling. When Jesus came into the praetorium, did his eyes fall on him as more than a religious prisoner? Did he see anything in the haggard, bruised face of Jesus that spoke of his divinity? Did he listen with interest or disgust or duty to the questioning Pilate gave? The silence Jesus returned and the accusations of the priests as they riled the mob to shrieks of crucify, crucify. He must have been there as the soldiers gathered around Jesus. It was the whole garrison. Did he roughly, disrespectfully, demeaningly touch his Savior? Did he disrobe the body of Christ? Someone did. He must have been there mocking, abusing, gathering thorns, or twisting them, or viciously grinding them into Jesus' head. The mocking cry, Hail, King of the Jews, coursing over his tongue over and over. Soon his spit mingled with the words in deriding the lowly form of God. Did he take in his own hand the whip to scourge Jesus? Or did he stand by counting the lashes to be sure they were applied to this humble, quiet, declared faultless, 
innocent man. Did he touch Jesus' garments and person again when he was redressed and led away to be crucified? Did he begin to feel a twinge of mercy as Jesus tried but could not carry his cross? Did he push Simon into carrying it? After they touched Jesus for the last time in the brutal act of crucifixion and sat down to divide his garments, was the centurion one who won a garment? Touching it as a prize, not recognizing the power of the one who had so recently worn it, did he know the outcome of the woman who had touched these garments in faith? And then he sat to keep watch of the man of the ages in the throes of the second death, adding their sins to his crushing weight. These men added a sign accusing him of being Jesus, the King of the Jews. Did he listen to the conversation of the thieves? Did he wonder at the promises of eternal companionship given to the one thief? Did he tremble as the darkness closed in and Jesus labored on the cross till he finally cried out loudly, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then with Jesus' final cry, the yielding up of his spirit put in motion a series of cataclysmic events marking the great changes Jesus' death had already brought about, marking victory. And the centurion and his fellow guards, tough and jaded as they were, in horrified recognition declared, truly this was the Son of God. They had already been forgiven by Jesus' own mouth. Now in the wake of Jesus' death and the centurion's own declaration, had he been touched to his core? Did he receive the life poured out before him these last hours? For Jesus is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior. <laughs> to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 5.31 There was more to come, more for the centurion to see, hear, and experience. He had so directly participated in the dreadful, necessary, world-changing lifting up of the Savior who draws all men, that I cannot see him walking away without a new heart. I believe he was touched by Jesus' blood so immediately after participating in shedding it. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved.
driving nails in my hands and laugh at me where you stand go ahead and say it isn't me the day will
throughout Jesus' life, there's a consistent theme that's there that um, you see touched on repeatedly, and it is prayer. Um, I think often it's easy, easy for us to be glib or dismissive, I guess for lack of a better word, about the power of prayer and about what it can accomplish. But you need to look no further than the activities not just in the Garden of Gethsemane and through the crucifixion, but all through Jesus' life. He frequently retreated for entire nights just to have time to pray to gain strength. And um, all through my life, I know I've had different people tell me they were praying for me. And it has given me great strength. And that's what this song talks about a little bit. It's called Somebody's Praying. Somebody's praying, I can feel it. Somebody's praying for me. And mighty hands are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. Somebody's praying for me. Stay. 